Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, wave them at me. Show me your Bibles. Come on, we're a Bible-bringing church. Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. But I'm excited to continue this series that we're in. Margin, a little that goes a long way. And hey, if you were not here last week, first of all, what's wrong with you? Second of all, just kidding, just kidding, I love you. But definitely go back and watch that message, okay? Because it was the beginning of our series and I believe that whenever we bring a series in church that we really need to be on board, all of us, because God wants to speak. How does He speak? He speaks through His Word. And uh, I would just love for you to go back and read, uh, sorry, listen and watch um, that message on YouTube. By the way, just to give that, that part of our church a plug, but our YouTube channel is really gaining momentum right now and um, kind of words getting out there. And I think, you know, we're just shy of 500 subscribers now on YouTube. And that's a whole other community, I guess, in a sense. Um, and so I'm really blessed by that and I really feel like that's an area of our church and so we can all do our part as well just to, to, to grow that community too by sending some of these messages to people that we feel God puts it on our hearts to send it to and it's not about gaining subscribers but it's actually about helping people and so let's be all about that but in Matthew chapter 6 Jesus says this it's in the context of prayer he's speaking here he says therefore I tell you <clears throat> do not be anxious about your life where you will eat Sorry, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, even the richest man ever, he says, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is today, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we where? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I love that he puts all in there, that you need them all. And this famous verse that if you've been in church for a long time, you'll recognize, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added to you. But let's not, ver let's not forget verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I want to continue this series, and if you want to write the title of part two of this series down, it's this, Manage the Margin. Manage the Margin, and specifically today I want to speak about anxiety, emotions, mental health. Okay, is that all right this morning? Yeah. And with that attitude of worship and 
agreement. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much and thank you for the opportunity to come into your house, God. Thank you for everything you're doing, God, across the entirety of our lives in our church and our community, God. We thank you. Father, it's with an attitude and a thankful heart, Lord. In this season of thankfulness, God, we just thank you for what you're doing. Father, we thank you that as we come under the authority of your word, Lord, thank you that it speaks to us, God. Father, thank you that you're doing so much, God. We pray for colonial kids right now, Lord. Thank you that you're building their lives. Father, you're speaking into their future, God. You're doing something in them right now, Lord. We are crazy enough to take you at your word, and we believe that you care about the generations, Lord. So we thank you that this is so much more than just a daycare to my left. God, we love you so much. Thank you for everything you're doing in Jesus' name and a faith-filled family said together. Amen. Amen. So margin. It's the little that goes a long way. I'd love it if we could put this uh, description that I wrote, if we could put it up on the screen. But what is margin? Margin is the space that once existed between what? Ourselves and our own limitations. Last week I talked about margin as something that adds into your life, but margin less living is something that detracts from your life. We're living in a time where we are hyper aware of everything. And there is so much going on in our lives. But here's the problem. It's just because you can do more doesn't mean you should do more. Doesn't mean the page of your life should be maxed out with everything that's going on to take you to your limitations all the time. You were never meant to live that way. And I was never meant to live that way. But I talked last week about how margin can be a friend to you. But margin less living can be like a thief to you. It can be something either that is a friend to you or something that feels like it's always taking away from you. You can say things like this, where did my money go? Where did my time go? Where did my headspace go? Where did my emotional capability go? And that's what I want to talk about today. But margin is freedom. But marginless is like slavery. Slave to a constantly filled schedule. Slave to a barrenness of Every good thing that comes in life, we feel like we're void of it. That's like slavery. God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to live with margin built in. Margin is supposed to be expansive, not just for me, listen to me, friend, but for others. It's supposed to be a blessing to the world around us. But to live marginless is simply something that's not really going to be a blessing to other people. It's just going to really bless nobody else at all. Rest is critical. I talked about rest and how there's a rhythm of rest that we can, we can live in, this rhythm that God wants us to live in. You know, He doesn't want us to wake up every single day and think, oh my gosh, I just got to make it through another day. I just got to get through another day. No, not at all. But I want to talk specifically about what Jesus is actually pouring out truth on in this passage. Matthew chapter 6, He talks about anxiety. It's amazing to me that in the space of 10 verses... Six times he mentions this state of being called anxiety, this anxiousness. And he's speaking, I believe, into, into our lives today through his word. God is speaking to our lives about this issue of anxiety. And it's kind of interesting to me that Jesus, he says over and over and over again, he says, don't be anxious. See, being anxious is a state of being. It's a, it's a way. It's a, it's a, it's a life it's a way of living your life, being anxious. And he's saying, don't do that. Because here's the truth is you were meant to live with margin built in, emotional margin, mental margin. 
without anxiety. The opposite of anxiety is security, where you're not anxious about things. There's a security about your life. You sort of think, I'm going to be okay. But this is something that's rife in our society today. That's why I want to talk about it today. That's why I've taken one week out of this series when we're talking about margin, all the different areas of our lives that require some sort of margin. I want to talk specifically about this part of our world because anxiety, depression, stress, it's rife in our world today like it never has been before. Rates of suicide are at all-time highs. Our society seems like it's unable to diagnose or figure out what the solution is, which is why we need to talk about it in church. Which is why, if anything, pastors and churches need to be leading the conversation when it comes to this. Because I don't know about you, but I want to go first to God's Word and and find out what God has to say about it. And we see it right here in Matthew chapter 6. But make no mistake, this issue is rife in our world. In a research study I just read this week, it said this, a number of adults who had experienced depression, these are people that actually have come forward in our nation. Listen to this, in a decade from 2007 there was 14.8 million people in our nation. A decade later, that number is now 17.3. It's not going away. It's not going away. And there's this guy called Greg Easterbrook. He wrote a book called this. He called The Progress Progress Paradox, How Life Gets Better, But People Feel Worse. And I love this book. It really was amazing. But he spoke about emotional anxiety and depression. Listen to what he said. He said, despite our impressive advancements in education, affluence, and technology, depression is being diagnosed at higher rates and at younger ages. Adjusting for population growth, 10 times as many people in the Western nations today suffer from unipolar depression or unremitting bad feelings without a specific cause than did half a century ago. Americans and Europeans have ever More of everything, listen to this, except happiness. The same finding, and this is very interesting, the same finding, however, is not occurring in developing countries. And he summates what the major reason is, and it's this, because we've been ambushed by psychic pressures. I spoke about this last week. Unparalleled in human history. This is not to say that other people in other times haven't had it rough. In many situations, they've had it rougher than we have. But never before, listen to this, have people faced the particular constellation of factors that today are plotting to take away our emotional and mental margin. We've added the speed of everything to the compounding of many factors. It's a constellation of factors. This is why it's such a big issue. Listen to these things. Today, we have fractured families like never before. Today, we have fatherless generations prevalent. Today, we have a divorce race that's twice which it was 50 years ago. We have a dissipating sense of community and a decreasing overall social support. Sounds like the church is the answer to that. Add in a new sense of mobility. This is interesting, this one. A new sense of mobility, which is causing uprootedness. Today, you can just have a laptop and a bit of ambition and you can work anywhere. You can go to any city. You can get on a plane on a Monday morning. You can go to any part of the country and you can work there. You can, there's a new sense of mobility that's never existed before. But what that's causing is a sense of uprootedness, which again affects our emotional margin. Add individualism into the mix, which is a huge thing right now. Individualism into the mix. And add the barrage of stuff we're throwing at adolescents. Think about what they're exposed to at such a young age. Through this information age we live in constantly on smartphones and coming at us. And then you have this hyper-awareness of 
bad news and tragedy that fills two-thirds of every notification we get on an iPhone every day. And we wonder why we're dealing with this. We wonder why never before there's been this constellation of factors. I love that way of describing it because it's so true. And you put it all together and what have you got? You've got a world that's filled with anxiety, depression, mental health issues, emotional struggles. And we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it because this is what I believe is I believe the answers are found in Christ but also in the community of believers. As we talk about it, as we gather around each other, that's why we talk about community so much in our church. So I want to talk a little bit about margin in this area today. Is that all right? Church, we need to talk about it. We have to be willing to lead the charge. So margin in our emotions, margin in our mental health, margin in this area of life. What does that look like? How can we build it? How can we grow it? How can we, how can we assist ourselves? Margin is like a friend. How can we get more friends in this area? I want to talk about that this morning, but I want to start with this disclaimer. Jill and I are absolutely for counseling. We are for help. We are for professionals. This is not what this is. I believe this is a pastor talking from God's word about this particular issue. I'm not a doctor. Okay? I'm not saying that doctors are no good. In fact, I believe, we believe that, do- that God uses doctors as an extension of his healing hand. It's beautiful. But I want to talk about it from, from our perspective this morning. I've got a few thoughts for us this morning. You ready? Here, here we go. Number one, when it comes to building margin in this area of your life, this is the first thought I have for us this morning, is recognize the signs. Recognize the signs. Why do we need to recognize the signs? Because that's the way we can see what's coming up ahead. We're building margin in this area of our lives. When we drive up R95, we love to go up to R95 and visit Savannah. But when you're going up that direction, what do you have before you get there? You have road signs. You have signs that are indicating and giving you a preview of what's ahead. You know, it's the same in our emotional lives. It's the same in our thinking. It's the same in our, um, you know, even when it comes to mental health, there are signs in our lives. And yes, sometimes we get ambushed by things. Sometimes tragedy strikes and you can't prepare for those things. But so often in our lives, there are signs that we're given. But Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about these signs. He's addressing the human condition. This is interesting. But what happens, and this is a sign that maybe you need to confront today. But what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6, he's saying, stop living in tomorrow. Stay right here in today. And maybe a sign for you is your anxious thoughts. Where are they coming from? They're coming from a place of worrying about tomorrow, about being anxious about something that hasn't happened yet. See, here's what he says. In verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Here's the problem. Sometimes we get so worked up worrying about a maybe in tomorrow. And that erodes our emotional margin. That erodes our mental margin that was meant to be in our lives. Here's the truth this morning. This is what Jesus is saying. God is in today and God is in forever. But so often our human lives, what do we do? We try to live in the past and we try to live in tomorrow. But Jesus is saying here, he's saying, no, you've got God today. And then you've got God forever. Yes, God's in the future. Yes, I'm not saying he's not in your tomorrow. He absolutely is. God's everywhere and it's incredible. But for you and me today, what do we need to focus on? We need to focus on today. And yes, prepare for the future. But, but Jesus is saying maybe the sign for you is that you're not living in today. 
Because today is where you need to be. So what do the signs look like for you? When do you feel like there's maybe some soul replenishment that needs to come your way? When do you notice today leaving and tomorrow beginning to dominate? Because I would encourage you to think about your emotional margin that way. When can I know that margin is about to leave my life? Can I at least figure out what that looks like? Because then I can think about my own margin. This could be a sign for you. This could be something that could help you. I love that Jesus actually asks a question in this passage. It's in verse 27. He says, which of, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, his span of life? And then he says this, And why are you anxious about clothing? He actually says, Why? Why are you anxious? Why are you anxious about your resource? You know, that's actually a really good question to ask yourself. There have been times in my life where, you know, I've been through some things, some very serious things, and I've been in that season and I've felt things emotionally. I've felt things in my feelings. My soul has been in a certain place and it's really disrupting me. And I've actually said, no, why? Why Why am I feeling this way? You know, that's actually a really good question for you to ask. Because you might actually be able to figure out what it is. You may be actually able to look at the span of your life and say, oh, that's right. I just lost someone I loved. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just went through that job transition. It's a really good question to ask. And Jesus says, why are you so anxious about your clothing? Why? Why are you anxious? Answer the question. But can I encourage you? This could be the sign for you. But he offers a practical help for us here. I love this. I want to read it from the message. In verse 27, he says, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? And then he goes on. He says, Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. Is there an absence in your life, and this could be a sign, of you walking into the fields and looking at the wildflowers. Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. So my question to you is, are you living in today and you're looking at the right things? See, has it been a little while since you walked around and just looked, looked around, looked at the birds of the air, looked at the looked at the lilies of the field, looked at the goodness of God all around you and allowed the ecosystem that he has placed you as the centerpiece of to be the thing that gives you the security and takes your anxious thoughts away. Look at the birds. What are the signs? So that's point number one is let's be willing to look for the signs. Point number two, give yourself a break. If you want to build emotional margin into your world, This is so important. You've got to give yourself a break. You've got to give yourself permission to attend to your margin, to be willing to attend to the margin. In other words, cut yourself some slack. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves. You've got to be willing to cut yourself some slack, but this is the personal responsibility element to Christianity is no one else can cut yourself some slack or cut some slack for you. 
It's got to be something. You've got to give yourself a break. If you're going through a hard time, can I say, can I just say this to you? Let yourself off the hook for a minute. Put the phone down. Close the laptop. Say, I just can't do this right now. I'm going to come back to it when I can. Give yourself a break. Is it okay if we talk this way in church? Who's responsible for your margin? I'll give you one guess. You are. I'm not being harsh. I'm being real. You're responsible for your margin. You're responsible for your emotional capacity. Ultimately, yeah, there's people who love you, but you've got to be willing to give yourself a break. What does that look like for you? If you were to give yourself a break right now, what would that look like? What area would that be? If you could think about your own emotional margin and rebuilding that in your life, what would be something you could just take a step back from? I want to give us a few practical how-tos today. Is that all right? Just like I did last week. So if we're going to rebuild margin in our lives, a few things. Here we go. Move space for a minute. When it comes to our emotions, sometimes this is, this is needed. Mental health, this is needed. Get out of your environment for just a moment. So if things are feeling like a little bit too much, leave that environment for just a moment. Move spaces. Change the environment. Walk outside. Look for some birds. Look for some lilies. Consider the fields, but just move for a moment. I love this. this is something my pastor used to say. He says, you've got to get out of it so you can look at it. You've got to get out of it for a moment so you can actually look at it. And if you're going through a tough time, that way you can look it in the eye and say, I'm going to face this today. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to move forward in my life. So that's number one, move spaces for a minute. Number two, create the right boundaries. Create the right boundaries. Don't let someone in your emotional and mental world if they're not supposed to be there. Create the right boundaries. Don't let the areas of your life bleed over into each other. For me personally, this is what it looks like for me, the stuff that sometimes I go through and face in my uh, church world. Running of the church, I don't allow that stuff to bleed over into my experience with my own children. So you've got to create the appropriate boundaries. And by the way, I love running our church. I'm not saying that stuff's not good, but I don't allow that world to infiltrate this world. It's an appropriate boundary, but it helps with my emotional and my, my mental health. Don't let one bleed over into the other. Create the right boundaries. Just don't go there with someone if they aren't the right person or the place, or it's in the right place. Here's a good question to ask. Does the person, when it comes to people and boundaries... Does this person love my no as much as my yes, i.e., do they really care about my well-being? Because if they love you, they're going to love your no just as much as they love your yes. Why are they going to love your no? Because they know that it's good for you. And the reason that you're saying no is because you're caring about yourself and your own margin. See, if, I, if there's someone on my team or in my world and they come up and they say, hey, Maddie, I just can't do this. I'm just feeling like it's not. I'm not there. I'm not able to do it. I don't then just throw them in the trash. I care about that person. So their no is exactly the same as a yes. My care for their well-being is not bound to either one. So we've got to be willing to create the right boundaries. This is personal responsibility. Number three, go and do something for someone. This is huge. 
Do something for someone else. Studies show that doing something for others when you are struggling yourself is actually the best thing you can do. People say in this particular field, experts will say, what do you do when you're in a deep depression? The best thing you can do is get off the couch, go into a part of society where people are much worse off than you and do something for those people. And all of a sudden, something lifts, something changes. I, my emotional margin returns and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I do have a little bit of wind in my sails. This has really built me up. This is helping me do something for someone else. Oh, I like this one. Replace FOMO with JOMO. You know what this is? I'll help you out. The fear of missing out. That's FOMO. The fear of missing out is like, man, they're, they're, all the cool kids are doing this. Everyone's going downtown for Nights of Lights and I'm not. <laughs> but the fear of missing out is real. People have this fear. I don't want to miss out on what's happening. I don't want to miss out on what everyone else is doing. I'm not being included, but we're going to replace that church with JOMO. And JOMO is this, the joy of missing out. You know what? I don't have to be there. You know what? It doesn't matter if I'm there. I'm content in myself. I'm excited about where I'm at. My season is good. I love being right here, right now. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. We're going to replace FOMO with JOMO. Come on, let's all say it. JOMO. Give yourself a break. The joy of missing out. I like that. I like it. The next one, my personal favorite, laugh a little more than you used to. We can get so serious in life, can't we? We can get so serious. But I'm finding now, as the more I go on in life, the more I want to be around people who make me belly laugh like crazy. When's the last time you laughed so hard it hurt you? Maybe there's a comedian that's your favorite that you can watch, a clean one. <laughs> but I was watching a, uh, a documentary one time on this particular thing about how humor can just change you. And it, this guy said this, he said, humor is a universal solvent that works against the abrasiveness and the harshness of life. Humor. And he went on, he said, I want to read this. This is an excerpt from a doctor's study. Into the effects of laughter on our emotional well-being. He said, there's people who laugh readily, heal faster. Medical authorities are still trying to figure out exactly how this works physiologically. But clearly, humor is medicinal. It tastes better than pills and it works as well and it costs less. Laughter diminishes from childhood. But laughter is the key. Perhaps the best kind of laughter is when we laugh at ourselves because we never run out of new material. <laughs> I love this story. After Hurricane Andrew leveled this particular man's house, this South Florida guy, he put a sign out in his yard saying, open house. <laughs> and this doctor said, you know what? He will heal faster than his neighbors. New studies indicate that even the anticipation of a humorous event upcoming in our lives as far as two days in advance will begin to reduce the stress hormone levels and boost the immune system. 
Laughter doesn't require a PhD or a six-figure salary. It's a free God-given gift. Perhaps he knew we would need it. Okay, so give yourself a break. Recognize the signs. Number three, find your people. Talk to your people. Proverbs 18 and verse 1 says this, says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Here's the truth this morning. is Isolation will rob you of your peace and it will absolutely affect your emotional margin and your mental well-being. But you've got to talk to your people. Men are particularly bad at this. I'm going to pick on the guys for a minute. Is that all right? Men are unbelievably bad at this. And to use analogy, you know, I love playing golf. I love it. It's something I did as a kid. My dad started me into golf when I was 12, and I just love being out there. I love, you know, being in nature. And most of you know, I love lawn. I love grass. So it's just like, it's for me. And just hitting this little white ball around and being around people. But I've always been amazed at how men, when it comes to emotions and feelings and mental health and things we're going through, anxiety and depression, we will not say a word. But you get a man on a golf course with a couple of his buddies. He's out there with Bob, playing golf with Bob. You know, Bob, like... Man, I don't know. I don't, it's just amazing. Like lately, I've just, I've just not been able to get it. I've just not been, you know, I stand over the ball, Bob. <laughs> I stand over the ball and I begin to just, you know, I just don't have it right now. But you remember a couple of years ago, we went on that trip, you know, we went and played golf in South Carolina. And it's just like, you know, I had that breakthrough moment, Bob. You remember that? Yeah, you remember. You know what I'm talking about, right, Bob? That amazing moment. I just, all of a sudden, I closed the club face and, oh man, I was just like, 275 yards down the middle. It's just like, oh, it's incredible. I know I can get this back, Bob. I know I can do it. Are you with me, Bob? Yeah, Bob. (laughs) We can be out there for four hours talking like this, but when it comes to mental health, emotional health, we will not say a word. Men, talk to your people. Find your people, but talk to your people. We gotta be willing to talk. This is why community is so important. Find your people, but talk to your people. The need for community is embedded in the answer to this situation. Community is embedded in the solution of what all this looks like. Jesus says in verse 31, this is another thing about your people. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? It's interesting to me that Jesus speaking to his people, he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying. In other words, talking about it. Find your people, but... Talk to your people. Talk to the people around you that are going to help you. Talking to the wrong people is not going to help you. Talking to the wrong people about the things you're going through is not going to help you. But talking to the right people, it absolutely will help you. And can I just, because I am a pastor and I am somewhat biased, there is a likelihood, a a essence of probability the deck is stacked in your favor. You will find those right people in church. That's why we've got to be here every week around God's people. Yes, there are great people out there, but can I just encourage you that the deck is stacked in your favor. You will probably find the right people inside God's community. The ones that are going to speak the right way to you. The ones that are going to be saying the right things to you. Like Jesus says, why are you anxious saying these things? Find your people and talk to your people. Because in doing so, it's going to help you as well. 
We have this saying in, in Wild Man, and I've said this before to our guys, but you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but what's not okay is if you say nothing to no one. If you don't talk about it. If you don't al- at least allow someone into your world to understand just for a moment, not even necessarily to understand, but just to know so they can then walk with you through this particular area. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not tell anyone. Let me show you a few verses about people in our world. Proverbs 17 in the Passion Translation says, A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. So your people are just, they're your people. They don't bail on you when you don't perform. Proverbs 27 and verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, consistency of your people, even their wounds are going to help you out. Proverbs 27, a bit further along in verse 10, it says, Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near your people than a brother who's far away. See, your people are near people. They're close to you, but you've got to know who your people are. That's why we talk about connect groups at length. All the time, every couple of weeks, go to a connect group, takes an hour. But this is why. Because you've got to find your people. You've got to talk to your people. Here's a few questions when it comes to your people. Who is consistently checking in on me? This will help you with your margin when it comes to people. Who seems to be making themselves available to talk to me and help me out? Who continues to go out of their way to make me feel important and loved? These are questions, and if you can find the answers, they're probably your people. Find your people, talk to your people, be all about your people. So number one, we've got to recognize the signs. Number two, you've got to give yourself a break. Number three, you've got to find your people, you've got to talk to your people. And finally, as the team comes back up, number four, and you know, I I can't finish this message any other way, but number four is this, trust God because he's got a plan. Last week, I showed you in Leviticus 23 about the nature of our God. You know, we're reading Jesus' words in the Gospels. But I love how the Old Testament and the New Testament, it goes together like a glove. It's a love story of, of God. But the nature of God is seen even way back in the Old Testament. And I want to show it to you again, but when it comes to anxious thoughts, when it comes to, to desires to, to gain comfort around tomorrow, to know what's coming ahead, when it comes to life, when anxious thoughts come because we're living not in today, but we're worried about tomorrow. God's always had a plan, friend. Can I say that again? He's always had a plan. He knows what He's doing. It's in Leviticus 25. This is speaking about the trust that's required for the Sabbath because Sabbath is about trust as well as rest. talks about the land resting in the seventh year, but watch this assurance that God gives His people when it comes to This particular issue is, therefore, in verse 18, you shall do my statutes. Keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. Verse 19, the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. He says it twice. And if you say, do you see the, the consistency? Matthew 6, Jesus is saying, and why do you say here? God is saying to his people, and if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year? 
If we may not sow or gather in our crop, because in the seventh year, you're not, you weren't supposed, this is the year of Jubilee, the seventh year, you're not supposed to actually do any work. You're just supposed to trust God, let the land rest, and He will take care of you. He says, if we may not sow or gather in our crop, verse 21, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for what? Three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crop arrives. I want to read it in the message. It's it's even better. He says, I assure you, I will send such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant in the eighth year, you will eat the old crop and continue until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. This is what God's saying. He's saying, I've got a plan to take care of you. I live in forever. This life is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. But today you can trust that God has a plan. You can trust when it comes to the things that you're going through. You can trust with your, your friends. Maybe your kids are struggling in this issue. Can I just encourage you? Above all else, you've just got to trust God because God knows what He's doing. And even through the things that you're going through, He will use your struggles. He will use your testimony. He will use the things that you've gone through to be a blessing for somebody else. We have to trust God. He has a plan. I'd love it if you could stand with me. We're going to pray this morning. I believe this is a marquee morning for our church because when it comes to this issue, this issue of anxiety, I don't know about you, but it might seem like a giant. But here's the truth is that God's really good at slaying giants. And whilst the doctors and the medical professionals who say we live in, a, in an age of anxiety, an age of depression, like an age, that's what they're calling, they're labeling the age we live in is this right now. This is what I know is that we serve the God of the ages, the one who knows the beginning from the end. And I know that prayer works. And I know that when we do pray, when God's people pray, that things begin to change. So I don't know where this lands for you, but I wanna pray this morning. I wanna believe today. That when it comes to anxious thoughts, when it comes to depression, when it comes to margin, if you feel like you've got nothing left, feel like you're all out, you've used it all, I believe God today is going to give you that sense of assurance He gave His people in Leviticus 25. I believe He's going to give you the sense of assurance that Jesus gave His disciples in Matthew chapter 6. What does He say? He says, don't be anxious. Don't be in this state of being called anxiousness. Why? Because I care for you. I want to take care of you. Your struggle is real, but God is real and He's here to take care of you. So, with every. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it? We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.